Live from the backstretch at historic Saratoga Racecourse, this is Racing Across America with Seth Merrow. Racing Across America is brought to you by Pennell's Restaurant, a Saratoga tradition since 1922. 284 Jefferson Street, Saratoga, just minutes from the track. And the Clubhouse Racebook. 7-Eleven Central Avenue, Albany. When you can't make it to the track, make it to the Clubhouse Racebook. Good morning. Welcome to Racing Across America on this Friday. Travers Eve, as it were, but also the personal ensign today, which looks fabulous with Clary Air versus, versus Nest again. Uh, great day of racing ahead here. I think the weather hopefully is going to hold out. That was the forecast I heard. It could be a little bit uh, iffy with maybe some, some brief stuff going through. So, again, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But looks nice for tomorrow, uh, Travers Day. So hopefully we have a big weekend ahead. We certainly have a big show ahead coming up a little bit later on. Joe Migliori will join us. Uh, jockey agent, bloodstock agent. We'll talk about both of those endeavors and more with Joe. We all have another Joe. A couple of Joes uh, later on. Joe Applebaum will join us, president of the board of the uh, New York Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association. We'll talk a little New York racing in general. And Joe uh, also said wants to talk a little Moneyball biometrics and analytics. Uh, he was behind the, the big data derby uh, a while ago where folks took a look at some of the numbers in horse racing and tried to parse out how to best use them. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Should be interesting. But top of the show, we've already had some West Point visits. Tommy Bellhouse has been in. Jason Blewett has been in. But I said we saved the best for last. Uh, the head honcho of West Point Thurbitz, Terry Finley, uh, joins <laughs> us this morning. Good morning. I think you saved the best for last, Seth. <laughs> I said it. I said it. I will tell you, you talk about data in the thoroughbred business. All all those conversations go through Joe Applebaum. So actually, Joe and Joe, uh, you know, great friends with them, and, and they're doing really wonderful work in their uh, in their specific areas of our industry. Yeah, Migliori, of course, Joe Migliori has spent some time with West Point and whatnot. And so now you have Joe Bianca. I had him, and I I didn't mention him. I had Joe Bianca in as well. Joe, uh, Joe, yeah. Joe. Uh, um, <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about first, uh, as you came on the set, you were talking with uh, our colleague Anthony Mormino. You had a nice little horse that ran second to a Baffert runner, and you were, you were kind of updating on slider. Talk a little bit about that one out in Southern California. Yeah, we thought it was a good one. And uh, obviously when you run a two-year-old um, out there uh, at Del Mar, also at Santa Anita, you know, you just hold your breath. You're hoping that you don't pick up the overnight and see Baffert in at least once or yeah. twice. But um you know, Manganero's, uh, the, uh, their farm, Sienna Farm owned, and I, I don't know if you saw, but uh, they, that gentleman, our partner, Anthony, passed away yeah, almost a week ago. So, um, you know, I do know he went out on top, and, uh, I, you know, it was a great loss for our, our yeah. industry to lose a partner like that. Um, and I saw that Niver had the memoriam up uh, on the, the feed, so I did see that. Uh, certainly condolences to the family and whatnot again. When we lose guys like that in the industry, it's always a sad moment. Um, let's talk also, uh, we talked a little bit about it. I didn't pull up any of the replays. I probably should have, but, I, but we've looked at them a number of times. But reflect a little bit uh, on Flightline and what it was like for a partnership to get a horse like that. Just a super phenomenal horse. But also reflect on, and I pulled up the video in past shows as well, uh, he went through the ring right up here a couple of years ago. So reflect yep. on the purchase of site, a flight line just two blocks down the street and then the career. 
Well, Phasic Tipton, obviously, they do a great job. Uh, we buy, we bought horses through them for the last 32 years. Um, to reflect on uh, uh, on all that is Flightline, I've tried. Uh, I've talked to some people in the industry and outside the industry. You know, what do you do when you have a um, an event like that? You know, an, an event being a horse like that. We never thought we would get there. We we always dreamed about what it would be like to get a really good one, you know, to get one that the, the whole industry was talking about in, in America. And, you know, we ended up with one that the industry across the world, you know, talked about and embraced to a great extent. So um, I'm not interested in the comparisons. I'm not interested in, you know, where he ranks uh, in you know, the pantheon of, of the great horses over the, over the decades in our industry. I just know it, it was a blessing to own a piece of them and to be part of it. It was a great partnership. I thought everybody really acquitted themselves well, and the job that John Sadler and his team did with him. I'll give you one thing. I, there was a lot of pressure, expe- was- especially on John. And uh, so we left. We said goodbye after we moved him over to our lanes and where he had a great first book, and we can't wait to see his foals. But I saw John... Uh, right after the Breeders' Cup, and you know, uh, so that was after two years of the flight line stress. I see him again in March at the two-year-old sale, and I, I kid you not, I mean, he looked 20 years younger. So, it just gives you a little bit of insight on, especially these trainers and what, when they get one like that, and there aren't very many trainers yeah. that have, but when they get one that is up in the stratosphere like that, it really just consumes their whole being, and it did with John and. You know, he he made every move time and time again. Yeah, every I, right move. I was going to ask you specifically about that. The pressure of having a horse like that because he's so good and the expectations are so high. There has to be a certain amount of pressure involved, not just the races, but choosing which races to go to. But at the same thing, uh, uh, owning or training—that's the pressure you want, though. That yeah. to have a horse like that. Well, well my good friend Dale Romans always says. Uh, especially with partnership, right? A, a really good horse will bring out the best in a man and the worst in a man. And, and I can tell you, um, you know, our partnership, uh, we came together, right? David and Gordo, our bloodstock agent, brought us all together, actually very quickly after the phasic sale. And and we all we all committed that John was was the, the captain of the ship and every decision, right, ran through him. And, and you know, obviously when you have a horse that good, Right. There's not a whole lot that the, the partners are going to add to it. But, you know, I, I love the fact uh, that I, th- I believe that we showed uh, that a good partnership right, can go along and, 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 and can be uh, a respectful and, um, you know, solid partner in a horse like that. And I remember seeing you over there that night. You clearly were very excited then and already kind of working on establishing <laughs> partners for the horse. Um, and you, you paid a lot of money and you wound up uh, getting – uh, a very, very special horse. But I have to ask, did you have any sense of that over there? And when, if not, when did you get the sense? When did, when was it, oh, Flightline is going to be yeah. something pretty special? I, I mean, no, you don't get a sense. And you, you're, you're a turkey if you, if you go back like two years later and say, I knew. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. And, and, and you, you, if you encounter somebody who consistently says, 
I knew, I knew, I knew. You probably need to get away from them. Look, our our model was to, to join forces with people and to try to buy those real top-end prospects. And obviously, he was he was one. I, I, we bought him on the first night. We paid even more for first captain, who was almost a very good horse. Um, but, you know, when, when you're buying that pedigree, that type of pedigree and, and that type of physical, you're going to pay a lot of money because people are in the game and, you know, they have a lot of capital to deploy. So, but I guess it was probably, I'll I tell you when it was, that two-year-old uh, or the time he, the year he was a three-year-old, uh, John Sadler had Rock Your World. He had just won the San Anita Derby. Every week we get on on a call and we go through every single horse and we were all raving about Rockier World. He said, listen, I'll tell you if everything stays on track that I have won that is about 20 times better than Rockier World. And the good thing is that you guys own part of him and his name is Flightline. So, um, you know, when somebody like that who doesn't tell, he's, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not chirping all the time, when you get that kind of feedback, I was like, Man, I'm I'm really excited about his first start, and um, everything turned out well. And you know, John, he continued. He was very, very. I I love the fact when I talk to trainers and they say I had a chance to talk to John Sadler for 15 or 20 minutes, and they're just glowing. So I'd love to be on fly in the wall when when you know trainers actually get together and go through. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think it'd be like uh, the major leagues when uh, uh, managers they get together and they rehash like what caused them to get. To the World Series and to win, that would be you know those kind of discussions. But listen, he changed a lot of lives. You know, he changed my lives. He changed my team's lives, um, all my family and, and everybody part of it. So, um, you know, I I just I smile when I think like we had a chance to be, you know, fairly close to absolute perfection, and that's what he was. So. Yeah. No, I. Uh... I, it puts a smile on my face because I've known you guys uh, the whole team, and I, I've, for years I've stood with the, the West Point folks watching the big screen for a Saratoga race and seeing the excitement with the partners, win, lose, or draw. And so it was a lot of fun to see you guys get a horse like that. It's just uh, it, it was it was a fun ride for everybody involved, including the folks on the outside who've known you for a long time. So that's very nice. Uh, Saw you guys over a couple of weeks ago, uh, the big sale, and, and probably the New York bread sale as well. You guys yep. were participants, I assume. We we were. We I, obviously we love the New York bread sale. Um, you know, actually, somebody brought up to me by the time the horses that we the yearlings we bought at the New York bread sale, by the time they're three year olds, there should be a poly track uh, in the winter um, at Belmont. And and so look, it, it might take uh, until they're four, but but. You know, this is the age that we're going to have, right? When you buy a turf horse yeah. and he's a New York bred, you're, you're not all automatically thinking about, well, I'll run to November and I'll come back in April or May. Now we're going to have that. That's I think that's going to be a very, very um, impactful part of, of the New York bred program. We bought six at the first sale. And listen, we're, um, uh, it is the flight line effect because we're getting new people. But, you know, I see partnerships all over the country that are getting new people. Like this game, there's a lot of energy. I know we've had some challenges. We talk about that every year. But, man, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of positiveness, um, right, that's flowing through in particular, in particular uh, through partnerships because people are yeah. seeing, like, you don't have to write a huge checkout. You can be part of it, and all of a sudden this whole new world opens up. And 
I mean, I, I, I think we all agree. Like, this is the greatest sport on earth, bar none. Yeah. And we just got to keep attracting people because once they get a, a, a feel of it, they get over to the races, they go to Del Mar, Saratoga, Keeneland, they go to Triple Crown races, like, they get hooked. And, man, they are hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I had Rich Cristiano in, uh, and he, get, he talks about the story about you getting him in for that first start. <laughs> say, yeah, well, we got you, because you got him in the winner's circle. And then the horse was so popular, you sold him right away, saying, what the heck is going on? I got a nice horse, yeah. and you guys... I got good news and bad news. <laughs> you, you, you multiplied your money. He's like, wait, no. Uh, that, that's a great story. But partnerships, you know, Rich is a... Uh, uh, involved now with the Delphi, but we have the guys from America's Pastime in here, uh, Dan Collins from Bonaventure, and there are all different levels. Uh, and I always tell people explore a little bit. You guys have a great website, and and the guys can can throw up the the website address because I pulled that up because I always tell people yours is you can follow the horses and look at the entries and the results. You guys do a great job with the website, so if folks want more information, uh, they can go there. Certainly, one be, before we talk a little bit about what's coming up, uh, I just. As you were talking, we were talking auctions and Flightline. How about the virtual auction with Flightline? That was kind of wild as well last last fall. That was pretty cool yeah. too. So, <laughs> uh, so Bill Farish and the executive team at Keeneland, um, they got together last summer, and they, you know, what do we do at, outside the box? And uh, we were lucky enough. You know, we stepped up. Our partners stepped up and said we'd like to sell a share. And you know, I thought it was a very good spot because we wouldn't have sold it for. For you know, a, at a huge uh, discount, but I thought if everything comes together, we win the Breeders' Cup Classic. We're undefeated, and he does it the right way. The 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 aura, and and so the Breeders' Cup was at Keeneland, and the sale was uh, two days later. I thought it might all kind of fall into place, which doesn't happen yeah. very often in in the racing business. And so we sold a two and a half percent share for four point six million dollars, which. Um, I don't know if you take your calculator out, but the implied, and I always say implied, the implied valuation from that uh, that purchase uh, was uh, right. He was worth and is worth 184 million. So um, dreams do come true, and and you know those numbers were so big. I'm not sure we got our arms around it, but it was very cool. Um, that 10 minutes in the ring, and it was all virtual, so. You know, he was he, he was standing in the stall eating hay over at uh, Lane's End when that happened. Uh, were you were you on the ground? Because what, what I hear, there was a good crowd in the in the ring for the virtual sale. It, it was packed. Yeah. There were very few seats, and I think I think that that happened because while you're at a sale and you have a big horse coming through, uh, you know, people are all over the barn areas. They're trying to find what they're going to bid on next. Well, everybody knew it was at 12 o'clock on the Monday after, so it. It, it was just like a like a um, like a prize fight, yeah. and it was it was as cool of an environment at an auction as I've ever experienced. No, as a racing guy, that was super unique. A couple of days after the Breeders' Cup, and and uh, you know it, it knocked it out of the park, and that was a fun kind of exclamation point to the career, certainly. All right, let's. Uh, first up, I pulled up a replay from just a few days ago because I wanted to show to show a West Point win. We're going to take a look at Mount Up, the number four horse here. I rod on board for Todd Pletcher and a partnership including West Point. I just pulled this one up to allow you to kind of reflect on the, the Saratoga season so far for West Point. Again, this was a, a recent win for you guys. Yeah, so it's been a solid season, Seth. You know, we we've won three. We've been we've been second five times. Ooh. So I'm not. You know, we're yeah. We'd like to have five or six yeah, wins, yeah. but you know, when they're running like this, I ride gave this horse a, a super ride. He's by Army Mule. 
we own him. I own him in my partnership with uh, the St. Elias team who actually raced and, and bought and raced and now stand Army Mule. He's become a good sire, too. He's been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's punched above his weight. Um, but you look at, you know, you look at kind of the West Point. I'm not talking about uh, thoroughbreds. I'm just talking about the academy, right? Usually people, they punch above their weight. And I think this horse is, is an absolute out of central casting for that. And I, I think he's got a great future. You know, he's at, uh, he's with a, a John Secure at the Hillendale. Um, and I know one thing. I mean, he's, he's on everybody's radar. Yeah. Um, Again, it was, that was a nice performance, um, and I wanted to bring him up because of Army Mule being a nice one. But we have, uh, in preview, you got a couple going tonight down at uh, Charlestown. Uh, Giant Game is going to go in the Classic. I pulled up the replay from Prairie Meadows, the Cornhusker, going to be the number one horse here. Subsequently, you guys started in the Whitney. I had Dale in a few days ago, and he said, you know, we were pointing to the Classic, but then the Whitney came up. We thought we'd take our shot. Uh, but off of this uh, Cornhusker giant game, very intriguing. What are your thoughts uh, tonight in the Charlestown Classic? Well, he's a horse that you know has just gotten better with uh, with Dale in his program, and I appreciate all the work all of our trainers and all of our teams do. Um, we did a little, a little work on his throat as a three-year-old. Kind of went off for him, but it was probably he wasn't getting all of his air. He's getting a hundred percent of his air now. We took a big swing in in the Whitney. We were hoping Cody's rich was in a position where he didn't fire, and he didn't fire, but another one, yeah. right, White, White Alberio, Alberio uh, ran the race of his life. So um, you're coming back a little quick, but he worked great the other day. Tammy Fox worked him, and um, we all saw it. You know, he's got great energy. You know, he's really giving off the right signal. So it's a tough task, but we're, we drew a, we drew the rail, uh, or we drew inside, so yeah. we'll, be, we'll be on the lead as far as he takes us million bucks up for grabs and and we're taking a shot again off of that race two back uh the corn husker you also have that bo- purse is a million yeah uh the charles, I, charles i'm just kidding i'm oh. just kidding i, I know that <laughs> but i i like to go to west virginia for a million dollars so. no, I, i'm right with you uh three quarters of a million in the the uh, uh, uh philly race the the charlestown oaks and you have vava going in there for uh sheree devoe uh I pulled up a replay of Vava going back to uh, May 5th. Uh, Vava's going to be the winner here, uh, the number 11 horse. Uh, subsequently, he started in the victory ride. We had a good third in the victory ride uh, since, but what are your thoughts tonight in the uh, Oaks with Vava? Yeah, for the longest time, so we'd see Cherie, and uh, so Cherie would be the wife of David and Gordo. But Cherie's starting to do so well yeah. that now David – if you talk to David, is the husband of Cherie DeVoe. So, um, look, I'm not saying that's what people are saying, not me, David. Um, but a, a lovely filly has really kind of come to, uh, to hand for Cherie and her, and, her, um, uh, and her team. You know, she also drew well, and I think she'll be right there. And, I, you know, I, I mean, she seems like she's got the agility um, and, and the physical talent and athleticism to do well on that small racetrack. So we're hoping – and I mean, there again, you don't get a shot to run for 750 that often in America yeah, no. or anywhere uh, in the world. Uh, another good day out of town a couple of weeks ago on Arlington Million Day. You guys sent uh, for sure Northern Invader, but um, uh, integration first time winner for you. I had Tyler in yesterday, and he was on board there, and he he thought the horse ran very well. That may be one to watch for you guys. Yeah, it just took a little while, uh, right, to get there. And you know, that 
you know, back to the partnership, Seth, you know, that's the nice thing about partnerships is, you know, no one is right shouldering the entire load of, you know, it's expensive with these horses, you know, five, six, seven thousand a month um, with insurance and all that. So when you can right, give them time, obviously, if they have the the inherent talent, but you got to start with that. But if you think they have talent, right, you can really turn time in, into a warrior for you. And it's the best warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, bar none. And so when you can right, give them time and keep honing and really get them as good as they're going to be before the first start, they run, they take a step forward. And right now, all of a sudden, you know, they run fast enough to get you thinking about stake races. You know, then you right, have a shot to map out a plan. And he's the kind of horse that that's exactly what we're doing. I, I know Shug really liked him, and he, but, you know, he was in that program and, you know, you're not really going to tell Shug. We don't tell our trainers what to do, but, you know, we, we, we want them to to manage our horses. So I know Shug's really excited, and his team are very excited about this call. Yeah, it was, nice. it was certainly a nice run down there at Colonial. Again, time can be a, certainly a luxury, but if you have that luxury, it can pay off uh, quite well if, if you can't afford it. But uh, certainly, uh, again, uh, West Point uh, doing very well up here. As you say, nice little meet here at Saratoga. That's always fun. Always fun to see you and the team uh, rooting your horses, as I say. I like to watch uh, behind you guys and see the reaction of the team uh, up here. And uh, we always talk about the social aspect. Saratoga is great for that. The paddock and people on the backstretch for partners. That's fun as well. But always fun to talk to you guys from West Point. Wish you the best of luck going forward. Appreciate the visit this morning. Absolutely pleasure. Thank you, Seth. Terry Finley from West Point Thoroughbreds. Again, you can swing by the website there and learn a little bit more about West Point and partnerships in general with a visit there. We'll be joined by Joe Migliori. He's in the house. Used to be a West Point guy, but now he's out on his own. Bloodstock agent, jockey agent, and more. We'll talk about all of that right after this. Stay tuned. Turn your love of racing into savings with equine discounts through the NTRA. Purchase through equine discounts and receive great savings on well-known brands like John Deere, Sherwin-Williams, Big Ass Fans, Farmers Insurance, and Office Depot. Join thousands of other equine members and support companies that give back to the sport we all love. Call 866-678-4289 or visit equinediscounts.com to start saving today. Sometimes it pays to go with the flow, to check your worries at the door, to reconnect with your crew, to follow the thrills and the flavor, to roll with it and see where it takes you, to enjoy every minute to its fullest, and to dance like there's no tomorrow. You can do that here at Rivers Casino and Resorts Schenectady, where the good times flow. No matter where in the world you are, the excitement of wagering on horse racing is just a click away. You'll get live streaming, past performances, race replays, our virtual tote board, analysis and selections from professional handicappers, a simple, safe, and secure wagering platform, and best of all, you get track prices. CapitalOTBBet.com. Bet any place, anytime at CapitalOTBBet.com. And be sure to download our new mobile app from the iTunes Store or Google Play.
Welcome back to Racing Across America on this Friday morning. As promised before the break, we are joined now by Joe Migliori, jockey agent, bloodstock agent. We'll talk all of that and more. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, Seth. Happy to have you on. And, and uh, for folks who maybe aren't familiar with you, why don't we take you through the career a little bit? A, we missed you up in the press box. You were up in the press <laughs> box uh, for a, a long time, and that was a lot of fun. But uh, for folks who don't know, we had your dad in earlier, Richard Migliori, retired jockey now. Uh, commentator on the, the Fox show, uh, but relate to us uh, growing up uh, with Richard Migliori as your dad and how you got into the game and what you've done to, to progress to this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it was always kind of the racetrack and horses from day one for me. I, I, as a young you know kid, I was always enthralled by coming to the races and obviously following his career. He was you know he was a big hero for me and uh, the jockey dreams never really got off the ground. Uh, I was far too big, far too young, so. Uh, which was probably a blessing in disguise at the end of the day, you know, looking at it now. But uh, always knew I wanted to be in racing and, and just, you know, was looking for the right, you know, path, the right avenue into the industry. And uh, that all started interning in the press yeah. box, uh, you know, summers in between college and, you know, also in the mornings hot walking for, you know, different trainers. And, uh, you know, after college, went abroad for a period of time uh, to both Ireland and Australia and got more experience with horses. and. That led me back home to uh, West Point Thoroughbreds and worked for them for about six years. I know you just had Terry on, yep. and you know Terry and Tom Bellhouse taught me so much. Really, you know, great mentors for me. Uh, and then I branched out on my own as a bloodstock agent, and and then also shortly after that, started uh, hustling uh, a jocks book as well in, in Trevor McCarthy's. And now I work for both him and his wife, Katie Davis. Um. And you, you mentioned going abroad, and I, I wanted you to talk a little bit about, because I find this interesting, you were working for the Irish National Stud, you were in their breeding course, uh, talk a little bit about what that entailed. Yeah, so that's a, a six-month, uh, I guess you could call it like a, like a, a graduate program in a sense. Um, it really, you, you get fully immersed into the farm there, uh, you work in all different facets of the farm, you know, you, know, you work with foals and mares, you work with stallions, you know, you work with yearlings, and I had felt like, you know, after college I needed to get the farm experience and the breeding experience more, uh, just given that I grew up at the racetrack. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I knew the racetrack. Yeah. I didn't need to do more racetrack. I needed to see where it all begins, right? And uh, was lucky enough to get into the course uh, and, and did the six months and graduated from that program, and, and then they were very helpful in setting me up with uh, you know, a job in Australia. I worked at a Arrowfield stud down there, and I spent about a year down there and eventually came home. Very good. Uh, do you like uh, Ireland? Do you like Australia? Okay, so Ireland on a sunny day is one of the most beautiful <laughs> beautiful places you could ever be, but you don't get too many of those. <laughs> so a rainy Irish day, not the best. Uh, Australia, very hot at times, but uh, also I was able to spend a little bit of time in, in Sydney, which was a beautiful city, and uh, Actually, very much enjoyed Australia. People down there are incredibly kind, uh, incredibly nice. Yeah, and that's kind of bucket list for me. I'd love to go down in Melbourne Cup. I'd love to go. For oh, it, it really does. Uh, they, they call it right the race that stops the nation, and, and it certainly does. I mean, it, pretty much everything is shut down that day, and everybody is watching the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, I'd love to go down for that certainly. Um, it, you alluded to it, and I had to pull it up because uh, it was a nice day for a jockey agent. 
uh, Joe Migliori and his two uh, jockeys uh, because they both won yesterday. And so the guys in the control room can go back-to-back here. I had the stretch run to the opener yesterday, Altarino with Katie Davis on board. And then in the seventh race, it's Sweet Mystery with Trevor McCarthy on board. So both of your jockeys won. Had to be a nice day for the jockey agent. Talk a little bit about uh, taking their book and, and having a day like this at Saratoga. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any day that they can both win is, is great. Uh, every win up here, you really cherish in a sense just because it's such a tough colony and you know it, it can be really hard to get them on you know the right horses at times and um you know was was particularly enjoyed this win uh, with sweet mystery because this filly had you know, gotten beat ahead last time and and you know it was a tough beat and uh, we've gotten a lot of really great support from uh, trainer pack quick recently on, on uh, you know several different horses in his barn so was thrilled to you know have her get the win there and you know a, a lucrative you know new york red allowance race uh, and then Alterina, I, I believe this was our second uh, win of the meet, uh, Katie's second win of the meet for Mark Hennig. Uh, Mark having a tremendous meet and uh, has been a big supporter of Katie up here. And uh, this is a tricky filly uh, mentally. She can be a little bit tough to, to handle and keep calm. And, yeah, you can see she's on the middle of the track. And, uh, you know, oh, Kate, coming up the inside. Yeah, came up the inside. Uh, actually, a nice, clever move by Katie to kind of duck back inside on the turn. But, um just you know great to win up here great to have success and and happy for both of them to win yesterday and hopefully we can get a few more wins before the meet's done um katie having a a nice i had katie in earlier and got a lot of great comments uh because she has the the bubbling personality trevor i'm gonna have to get him in at some point here he's having a nice summer riding up here but he's having a nice summer whenever he goes down to new jersey yeah it's it's been a situation where you know we've kind of had to tactically approach the summer a little different you know his injury back in november you know put him out for several months and we really missed that critical time of the year where you know you can flourish in the winter and you can really build your business and you know you'll you'll take those horses you want on in the winter and try to you know hold on to them you know here in saratoga and you know when you don't get a winter uh it's tough to kind of build up from scratch in april and may and you know, so any opportunity we've had to, you know, go ride a favorite in a stake out of town, we've jumped at it. You know, we, he's won stakes at Penn National and Monmouth, and he's actually headed to Charlestown tonight. He's, he's got a full slate there. So uh, I've been scouring Nam's list all over the country to keep him active, keep him busy, and, and he's done well when we've gone out of town. And it's been a little tough here, but uh, I'm confident that when we, you know, get back downstate and we have a full winter to kind of rebuild our business, you know, He'll be flying again. Yeah, as I say, just going over his stats and whatnot, he's running really well. Uh, but a lot of that is doing out of town. And I know that at Monmouth in particular, it seemed like he's running yeah. very well. Um, for folks who aren't familiar, talk a little bit about jockey agent and, and what that entails. What's what's like the day for a jockey agent? What do you what do you do to tie in your riders to horses? Yeah, look, I, for me, uh, the way I was taught the job was kind of basically off the expectations my father maybe had for his agents over the years, right? So that, that's how I always kind of viewed doing the job. I think it's changed a little bit in recent years with, you know, a little bit more on the phone, a little bit more, you know, now the draw is on Zoom as opposed to having to go to the draw in the office. You, you still can, but um, for me, I, I very much like to be on the ground. I, I, I want to be out on the golf cart, going barn to barn, speaking to people face to face. You know, you'll, you'll have to do your homework to kind of know and prepare for not only the horses you've been riding, but maybe horses you want to try to get on and, you know, then try to tactically, you know, move around the backside to either pick up new mounts or just secure the ones that you already have. And it, it's a relationship business in a lot of sense. Um, you know, you, you need to have a, a certain connection with, you know, various trainers out here. And 
uh, you just do the most you can to hustle and grind and, and continue to pick up mounts. Yeah, I was going to say it's a people business. Uh, yeah. you're, you're, you're making relationships and kind of working on those. And I, I, I'm curious, um, you've been around the racetrack your whole life. So did you have a head start or when you were a jockey agent? Yeah. I'm starting from scratch, eh? Uh, maybe a little bit of a head start just because I know so many New York horsemen and they've known me growing up. They made me watch me grow up. So, you know, that does help in, in one sense. And uh, But at the same time, you have to prove when you take on any new role, right, you have to be able to prove you can do it. And, yeah. You know, I think the when I hooked up with Trevor leading into the winter, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, we finished second in the standings and had 54 wins. And, you know, like I said, unfortunately, we lost last winter due to injury. But excited about you know the one coming up and and also very excited about the progress we've made with katie uh over the course of this year you know i i think i think if we had told people you know back in the winter time oh we're gonna win six races up, up at you know saratoga with katie that few people would have been like eh, i don't know she, but she said when i had her yeah. in the other day said did you come up with it like a you know a goal and she said yeah, I was thinking two, and she must have been referring to you because I think she said, as so I said to my agent too, and he's two. Come on. <laughs> so she she said to me originally, she said, I'd love to just win one, but two would be great. And I said, we're going to do better than two, all right? We'll get, we'll get those numbers up a little bit. But um, look, we still got another you know uh, week and a half left, I guess, of racing, yeah. and hopefully we can tack on a few more. Yeah. Uh, so was Trevor your first jock? Uh, Trevor was the first jock I ever had, yeah, yeah. And, and I really have to thank him because he, you know, he really took a shot on me, you know, completely inexperienced yeah. in that role in a sense, and, you know, he was coming back from California, he had also, you know, was coming off a minor ankle injury, and, you know, he took a big risk taking me, and, and you know, always thankful that he did, and we showed that we can do it together, and, you know, We've built up a very strong friendship as well. You know, he's a guy that I think, you know, even even if we weren't together or, you know, later years when he's not riding, we'll definitely still be friends. Yeah, nice. Uh, and I'm curious because, again, you, you've been around your father your whole life, and, and obviously he dealt with agents as well. Is there anything in the job you didn't expect? Um, look, I think at times... You know, to, to put it as bluntly as possible, at times you got to take a little abuse, right? Okay, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. The, you know, maybe I wasn't as ready or prepared for that. Uh, that you know, sometimes the agent's got to be the fall guy, right? Yeah, or sometimes yeah. you got to maybe give a call and then take a different call and, and get out of your previous call. And you know, learning how to navigate that was a little bit of a challenge at first, but the. Enough experience comes, you know, familiarity with yeah, everything. You build the shell a little bit. You <laughs> <Yeah>. can <laughs> deflect some of that anyway, but I hadn't thought about that. Uh, uh, let's shift gears now. Agent, agent, uh, you're a jockey agent, you're a bloodstock agent as well, and let's get to uh, the bloodstock side of things because I pulled up a replay from uh, just about a week ago, a uh, little stakes race, the Susie O'Kane. It's going to be number five, Silver Skillet. And as I understand it, Silver Skillet, was a Joe Migliori bloodstock purchase. Talk a little bit about uh, winning the stakes race with one that, that you tabbed, and, and then just talk a little bit about being a bloodstock agent in general. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a filly we bought from the uh, Phasing Tipton New York bread sale uh, a couple of years ago up here. Um, she's by Liam's map, uh, and she, you know, was... She was a good two-year-old on the dirt. Uh, you know, she broke her maiden very well at the end of her two-year-old year. Uh, when we brought her back uh, and ran her on the dirt her first race as a three-year-old, she kind of just completely flopped, and, and I think it left the Clement barn a little mystified. And then we switched her to the grass, and I think she became a really good filly and uh, really appreciates the grass. 
Just very thankful to uh, you know the ownership group on her. Uh, Dean you know, Reeves and company. Stephen Rocco, Dean Reeves, Mark Levine. Um, you know this was really that that sale was kind of the first sale that I was you know officially out on my own, and you know for them to give me that opportunity to buy you know a nice filly like her, and you know I know both Stephen and Mark really liked the filly as well when we were going around together looking at horses and. Um, just appreciative that they were allowing me to put my hand up for her and allowed me to work that sale for them and happy now that you know they have a stakes winner on their hands. I was going to ask if this was right at the beginning so it's a nice certainly yeah. a nice way to kick things off but, and as is the way in the horse racing game you know you got to wait a little while from those sales until you see if it pays off but this one certainly has I'm guessing you you were playing around a couple of weeks ago the big sale in the New York bread sale up here Yes, uh, the big sale is is tough to buy at, and and honestly, I, I almost use the big sale more as a way to kind of you know warm up the eyes in a sense of okay, look at what the really fancy, really expensive you know top of the list yearlings are going to look yeah. like, and then that way you're prepared for when the New York Reds roll in, and, and that's always the sale that I'll be able to do more buying at, at least in this stage you know in my career, and um, was able to buy one at the New York Reds sale, was hoping to get a few more. It was a little tough bidding, um, but well, that's I, become a popular sale. Too. It really has. Really, it's with not the, money the same. In the New York bread side of things. It's not the same sale it was maybe even five years yeah, ago. No, you I know, agree. Uh, I think you, you kind of need to step up even more to get a nice New York bread nowadays, yeah. and I think the pedigrees have been, been improving as well. Um, was very happy on the selling end. I, I buy the mares for. Uh, uh, some lovely people, Jim and Allison McGowan over at Turnary Farm, and I have bought a couple mares for them, and, and two yearlings out of mares that I bought for them sold very well. I think oh, one, nice. one sold for 150 the other for 70000 So um, on the selling end was, was pretty good. On the buying end was a little tough, but was happy to come away with one for, uh, for the Adelphi group. Yeah, you, uh, oh, Matt and company, very good. Yeah. Um, you going to go down to Keeneland? I will be down at Keeneland. Keeneland's a marathon. That's, I was, I was yeah. going to say, I was going to say, get plenty of sleep. But it's shortly after this. How do you give? Where do you fit in the sleep? This, uh, this is this is a tough stretch of the calendar. You know, every year with, you know, you put so much energy into Saratoga, and then you get to the end of it, and you think, okay, I'm going to just unwind, go home, relax for a bit. You're home for like three days, and then you're off to Keeneland, and then you're trying four, to look at four thousand horses. Yeah, two hundred yearlings a day, and it just it completely scrambles your brain in in some ways. But. But like we all say, uh, we we love it. Uh, at the end of the, the the marathon, we're all tired, but it's a, a lot of fun. And, and Joe was fun to talk to you, as I say. Uh, knew you back at the beginning, up in the press box, and it's been fun to watch you go through uh, the various uh, jobs and and whatnot. Now on the jockey agent side of thing, bloodstock agent side of thing, very successful with both of those, and certainly. Uh, appreciate uh, your coming in this morning uh, as well and having some conversation. Wish you good luck going forward with the jocks and on the sales side of things. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Seth. Joe Migliori. All right, he's in the house. Joe Applebaum. We'll talk a little New York racing. We'll talk a little analytics and whatnot with Joe. All of that coming up. Stay tuned. Watch the races when you can be in the middle of the action. 
For nearly 20 years, Bonaventure Stables' share-based ownership program has made thoroughbred ownership affordable for the everyday fan. Ownerships of 5 and 10% are now available on a nice selection of horses. As a partial owner with Bonaventure Stables, you'll enjoy all the benefits afforded every owner. Visit with your horse in the private stable area. Greet the trainers and jockeys in the paddock. And when your horse wins, savor the moment in the winner's circle at Saratoga, Belmont, Aqueduct, or wherever you bring home the prize. Based in historic Saratoga Springs, Bonaventure Stables has been training winners and creating memories since 2005. Learn more, see available horses, and meet our team at BonaventureStables.com. Welcome back to Racing Across America. Again, as promised before the break, we are joined now by Joe Applebaum, president of the uh, New York Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association Board. We'll talk a little New York racing, but we're also going to talk a little money ball. Joe, good morning. Exciting. Seth, how you doing? Very good. Always happy to have you on the set to talk again. Uh, NYTHA New York uh, Racing, and I thought we'd kick things off. Uh, I pulled up a little video. I, I was, uh -oh. had the pleasure of going down earlier this year to the Capitol uh, where uh, the folks involved in New York racing uh, rallied in favor of uh, the budget approving uh, the plans to refurbish Belmont. Um, talk a little bit about this. This was a, this was a day, it was a great turnout. Uh, all kinds of people, farm owners, uh, horse uh, owners, racetrack people. It was a really great day down there. Subsequently, the budget did approve the, the Belmont uh, refurbishment. Talk about this, this day down in Albany and what it led into and what the, the new Belmont will mean to New York racing. It was really fantastic. Right? People don't really realize how big a sport and how big an industry horse racing is here in New York. But if by looking at those videos, you can see we had hundreds of people yeah. there. And in Albany, money counts, but voters count too. And we actually have a lot of them. We have upstate voters. We have downstate voters. I like to tease the legislature, legislators sorry, that we're a purple sport. We're not yeah, red, yeah, no. we're not yeah, blue, we go across, we have a farm in each and every county of the state of New York. And I, we thought it was critical, while the funding for New Belmont Park uh, was debated, to let people know who we are, the size of our constituency. We have thousands and thousands of workers, both on track and throughout the state. And it was great to see our community rally. We know we have a very competitive community, both amongst our trainers and our grooms and our handicappers, every, we're all competing. So we're not always the most communal type. But when, when the call went out, I was just thrilled. We had farm workers and owners and veterinarians and farriers and union employees from the track. Naira uh, Electrical and Plumbing Union showed up. Yeah. Trainers came on the bus from Belmont. And it was great to let people in Albany know who we are and what we're all about. Yeah, it was a, a really great turnout. It was fun to see. And uh, talk a little bit about what that Belmont refurbishment will mean to New York racing. I, I think it's going to be just trans transformative, right? Just so everyone knows. In New York, we run about 8% of the races in the entire country. We do close to 25% of the handle, yeah. though. So it's really a premier racing circuit, and that's great. But let's be honest, 
the downstate facilities haven't been refurbished in like 40 or 50 years. And I don't know about you all, but when I go to a new stadium, it's a little more fun than going to like a decrepit old stadium, right? And we need to keep up. There's a lot of competitive options out there for your entertainment dollar, right? You can go right, not even across the street, on the same campus, right, to the new arena. Spectacular. Right. Every other arena, every other sporting facility in downstate New York has been renovated. New Yankee Stadium, New Shea Stadium, Giant Stadium, although it's so identical to the last one. I can't believe they (laughs) they spent a billion dollars on it. But that's all. But like if you want to compete for the dollar, if you want to have a modern facility, it's really important. And what most people don't realize, but if you I was at Belmont yesterday is the first thing we're doing is renovating the surfaces, putting in a fourth track, right? So our fourth track, an artificial surface, will be as big as Churchill Downs' main dirt surface, okay? Just so everyone understands the size of our complex and how important it is for those, those surfaces to be uh, renovated, to be updated and modernized, Right, so we can uh, we can really have the premier location in in the world. I, I don't want to say in the country. When Belmont is done, hopefully in three years from now, it will be the premier racing location in the world. Had Terry Finley in here, and I hadn't even thought about it, but he he mentioned being at the sale and looking with a little bit of a different eye now, because if you get get it like a New York bred grass horse, as he said, it used to be oh well we'll end things up in November and we'll shoot for April. Now with the synthetic surface, you you can. I approach with a different eye and think, well, I'll race on the synthetic surface during the winter, perhaps. Having four surfaces is going to provide us, one, with incredible flexibility in what you can do. Two, let us run the races with safety in mind. What is going on that day weather-wise? I know we've all suffered through a, yeah. just a tough summer, but we're battling through it, and it's fine, right? And it, I was just actually watching one of my seminal moments uh, when I fell in love with this game, was watching Personal Ensign win the Whitney. It was a three-horse Whitney, okay? <laughs> it was an amazing performance in the total slop here, okay? I was there in 1988, and we need to be prepared for weather. We, we know, uh, I don't want to make this a political show, but we know weather events are only becoming more frequent. So we need to be prepared, and having four surfaces, especially an artificial one, will give us that flexibility. Uh, and, you know, you guys had the, the paper come out a few years ago that talked about the, uh, the economic impact that racing has, and for folks who maybe are new to the game and don't realize it. I mean, people look at, at Saratoga and they see the, you know, the fence around, and I don't think, I've said this many times, I don't think people on track realize the number of jobs that are involved. It's not just trainers and jockeys and tellers. There are accountants and media people. And it, but it goes beyond the, the fence around the racetrack to the farms and whatnot. There's a huge impact that racing has on the state. How about the two restaurants and bars and the motel right across the street from where we're shooting? Are those in business if it weren't for horse yeah. racing? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe one of them is, but I know yeah. all three aren't. Uh, the, the, the economic... Um, impact of horse racing is extensive and this gets lost in our modern age where everything's digitized and i'm going to talk about digitization in a second because i love it but we're still one of the few places where you got to put your hands on something we have 
labor unions here at the track who do carpentry or plumbing, whatever. We have grooms who put their hands on horses. You have delivery guys bringing in hay. You have waitresses working at those restaurants. It's a, it, it is one of the last bastions of uh, working, actual work, non-spreadsheet work. And I think so. up here in this area, we're maybe more aware than, than people at other parts of the state because I think the people in Saratoga realize how important this racetrack certainly is to the local economy. I, I think that's obvious here. Yeah. But I think what everyone needs to understand is that it's a, it's a big ecosystem. And Saratoga doesn't exist in a bubble. Belmont doesn't exist without farms upstate. Yeah. And it's all one big ecosystem yeah. that's wrapped together. And I think that's really important when you're thinking about what's going on here. When we make an improvement to Saratoga, that helps the ecosystem. Yeah, uh, and, and I, the guys can pull up the, the NYFA website uh, logo because I would uh, advise people, if you want to know more about that, go to uh, the NYFA website. And uh, that economic impact study from a few years, years ago is there, and you can see the numbers, which are, are big and, and notable. Uh, just before we talked about analytics and whatnot, just wanted a, a nice uh, thought uh, on Heisa. I had Lisa Lazarus in earlier. A lot of the other guests, we've talked a little bit about Heisa. We're kind of a year in uh, now. So from the, the New York Thoroughbred Horseman's uh, perspective, uh, what are we thinking about Heisa a year in? Uh, it's much better now than it was a year ago. And we're pretty confident it's going to be much better a year from now than here. They basically had to start this thing from scratch. Uh, Lisa and her staff have worked like unbelievably hard. I think trying to harmonize rules for 34 states is just is it's a huge, huge task. Yeah. So I think the benefits are let's let's do pluses and minuses if that's a good way to yeah, look at yeah. it. Okay, the benefits are one that now the rules in New York are similar to the rules in every other state. Which was big, isn't big. it? Yeah. Number two, we've already been operating under many of these more stringent rules. So the uptake for our teams here in New York, our trainers, our veterinarians, has not been a huge lift. Okay, we've been able to manage it. Okay. Three, I think the Haiza team and Haiwu, which I won't get into that, but it's an offshoot, um, the Haiza Haiwu team have been very open to feedback. Yeah. And when you make a good case to them and you provide them an alternative system that might work better, where we take the experience of horsemen and say, hey, we'd like this system uh, to be altered some, we have found them uh, to be amenable to that. In fact, they just changed uh, the provisional suspension system probably a month ago, actually, uh, to accommodate a little more due process, a little more conservatism in terms of that. And that was appreciated. Is everyone thrilled with it still? No. But it's much better now than it was a month ago. So progress, people. Yeah. I think on the, on the downside, I think you have A, it's hard to harmonize those rules. So uh, is, uh, to give you an example, is the jockey strike rule being interpreted in New York the same as it's being interpreted in Arkansas, right? And how do you control for that kind of standard setting? No different than in any other sport. The NBA wants to make sure a game in Madison Square Garden is officiated the same yeah. way it is in Miami Arena, right? So I think they need to do some work there. Uh, just the general administrative load, that's been a lot of our focus at NYTHA 
is helping our trainers, helping the local veterinarians manage those things, right? Um, but a lot of the, I would say, biggest complaints or biggest issues that we're working through are kind of operational issues like that. Uh, but we're just hoping, you know, every month better than the last. And we've seen, I think, a big improvement in the last year. Um, I think one of the things uh, that in particular, I think people will eventually find uh, very helpful is that uh, a lot of the uh, medication violation uh, rulings will be done much quicker okay. than they are now. Yeah. Um, I think having these things play out over six, nine yeah. months, which is not just the New York issue, that is across Absolutely. the country, uh, it's just inefficient, it's not, uh, it's not helpful to anyone. And I think that's kind of like a subtle secondary benefit we're gonna see, gives more people confidence in the system, but right now, I'm, I'm, what do you call it? optimistically skeptical. Now I hear you, and I think so. that's kind of a, uh, the over I mean, this is a heavy lift, and to put the entire country under one umbrella, but Lisa Lazarus, I talked to her last year at this time, and then she was in again a little bit earlier. Uh, she has been open to, we'll, we're getting right. the feedback, we'll kind of build on it and try and to, to make take, it work as best we can. And to give her credit, she's willing to sit in this seat, right, and take the bullets yeah, yeah. and talk to you yeah. about it. When has that ever occurred yeah, no, it, in no. horse racing? I think you're absolutely right, right like there. You have a, a regulator who is sitting in the chair out in front of the public taking bullets. Like, that's... You know that's a big that's no, a big I, cultural shift. I give her a lot of credit. All right, let's shift gears because uh, we want to talk. I mean, you're uh, at being on the ninth uh, board. That means you have been an owner and you're also a player as well. And uh, don't, kind of going out and doing a little reading last night, I was intrigued because uh, you had put together the Big Data Derby, which it was kind of a competition to get people to look at the numbers in the game and see how they could best be uh, used and developed for uh, players and owners and trainers, I suppose, as well. So talk a little bit about it, the, the game and, and maybe how technology has now changed or is changing things with biometrics and, and big data analytics. So let me just show you real quick. I have it on the table. This is a monitor that we put on the horse's girth. And this monitor with the attached lead will give you what I call XY coordinate information, exact location four times per second while the horse is on, on track. And we're using this right now. I have about two, a dozen, two dozen trainers using them in the morning. Okay. We're picking up heart rate information. We're picking up stride analysis. Yeah, yeah. We're picking up speeds, timing, internal splits that guys have never used before. So it's very exciting. One of the issues we have as an industry is we have all this data. It's, we, it's all out there. It's just, you know, I feel like I'm the guy in heat who was like planning the bank robbery. It's just, you have to know where to pull it. Um, but, so we have this data, but we don't have a lot of analysts. We don't have a lot of people. So what we did was we put up a set of XY coordinate data uh, from Trackist devices from 2019, and we made it available to the public. It to sign up, register, blah, blah, blah. We had over 100 entrants, and what we asked them to do was tell, tell us something about uh, horses' paths, jockey decision-making, you name it, that we think one day will eventually benefit the health, welfare, and performance of the horses. And we got over 100 entrants, mostly from data scientists, many of whom who knew nothing about horse racing. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay? 
the winners actually, so we didn't make this up. We basically, and by we, I mean NYTHA and Naira. We've been coordinating on this digitization effort. It's been a really great partnership. Um, so we put the information up, and the winner also won what's called the Big Data Bowl, which is an NFL, that's National Football League, people. He won the NFL's competition, the NHL's competition, and he won, the guys won every competition. He works for a famous analytics company called Zealous Sports. These guys were doing amazing things, charting in race, where the horse's position is at any time, what that meant to his winning position at the end of the race, it, it four times a second. It, it was really uh, an unbelievable feat of analysis. And what's that, what that's done is that's led us to now, we're partnering with Carnegie Mellon, uh, their statistics program, which is one of the finest programs in the country and very much known for its sports statistics. So they've taken that number and they've looked at something called under-raced horses. We built a model of horses based on age and number of starts who are not running as frequently. What does that mean if they're not running as frequently, Seth? Maybe they're not feeling so good. Some issue. Right. So what we're trying to do now is correlate what features can we correlate to under-raced. Because when we're looking at these models, it's very hard to hit the bullseye looking for breakdowns or injury. You need to look at a bigger picture. So we're really focused on using these devices to help trainers make better decisions so their horses are healthier and perform better. This is essentially what that is. If we have two seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah do it. One of the most interesting things, because I know there's a lot of gamblers out there. When I started coming up here 30 years ago, I was sitting in you know, my pajamas at home watching this show before you know, walking over the track. And one of the most interesting things is the guy who came in second is a math teacher from Chicago who's a known tournament player, very good tournament player, and he came up with one of the most interesting track bias uh, numbers I've ever seen. And I hope in the next number of months, I've been some technical difficulties translating it, but my hope is in the next couple of months, we'll be able to unveil a, tra a simple track bias tool. Uh, you know, that's exactly the sort of thing that a money ball approach or an analytical approach uh, is talking about in terms of, hey, that's something we sit and debate and guys yell, oh, it was inside, it was not inside, it was speed, it was it. Hey, this is exactly what this stuff can do, is it can pinpoint to you, hey, it was inside for this day or not, right, instead of your drunken friend's opinion, uh, you know, it's zeros. Uh, we've talked about biometrics a few times already this season, and I always know it seems like the technology is moving in great directions. But the way you're talking about it, the way we've heard it from other people as well, it's going to be good for the, horse, uh, the horses and potentially the horse players as well. The number of uses for it will explode dramatically. We're really focused right now on welfare, performance, and health. But we'll see. I mean, it's a whole new world out there. I also found it interesting, the article I read, uh, he's now, uh, if, if I'm remembering right, uh, head of the analytics and, and numbers person for the NFL, but he was at Skidmore College. Michael Lopez, yeah. So Mike Lopez, who was a professor at Skidmore College, now runs the NFL's main analytics group. 
he actually spoke up here in the Jockey Club Roundtable, and he was the guy that we basically copied. I call, I'm, there's no, uh, I have no pride in this. When I saw what they did, I said, hey, we have data like that. We can do something. I called Michael. Michael, I, I just cold called him. He said, oh, I can help you. Told me exactly what to do, how to do it. We essentially copied the NFL. Uh, that, so, I thought that was great, though. You, you know, you hear it's Skidmore, so he's already yes. thinking a little bit about horse racing, but now he's over with the NFL doing the numbers. Well, I think he understood, right, there's a, uh, there's a big learning curve in our game. Let's yeah, be yeah, honest, yeah, yeah. right? And having someone who understood the basics was extremely helpful to try to do that, yeah. right? So a lot of what we do is we look for very talented analytical people and then teach them about the game. It's easier than finding a uh, someone who knows the game and trying to teach them Python or R or one of these coding languages yeah. that I have no idea how they work myself. But Well, I'm looking forward to it because, as I said, there's been a lot of conversation. On the just the horse health side of things, I think it's going to change things dramatically, the, this technology and the biometrics and whatnot. But I'm excited as a horse player to maybe get some of these numbers and see them get crunched to, to kind of help us out. Because big data has changed virtually every industry over the past 10 years yes. or less, five years. But I will tell my handicappers, eventually it's coming out. But don't be calling me looking for the data. It'll be released to everyone or nobody. We're not, there's going to be no favorites. Very so. good. Very good. Joe, appreciate the conversation. And uh, any horses running? Uh, should we be looking for? Uh, we have a horse that we, it's really my partner's horse, but I oversee it. A uh, horse named Shelly running Sunday, uh, assuming it doesn't rain anymore in the 11th race, a nice New York bred. Uh, daughter of Testa Rossi, who you might remember, sure, ran sure. second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly Turf. Um, so they uh, they raced her. They they've been breeding Testarossi. Um, uh, this filly will be a uh, a sister Grape Nuts Warrior who's been a oh, hard okay. knocking uh, New yeah, York yeah, bred yeah, over, the, over the last couple of years. Right, so we'll good to one. always good to have someone from the family on track. Yeah, very good. Uh, and again, you can check out uh, Nitha and some of the information on there uh, at the website. Uh, you see it up on the screen. Uh, and again, they have. Plenty of great information that will keep you up. Uh, we had Rick Schasberg the other day, and, and we're out of time here, but we had Rick talk all about the aftercare. That's a big, become a big thing in the game as well, and you guys are doing great work there as well. So, so if I can get my last plug in, mostly it. what we do at NYTHA is philanthropic. We uh, sponsor two backstretch clinics, scholarship program, aftercare, which Rick, Rick, Rich, Rick takes care of. Uh, substance abuse program for backstretch workers. You name it, Great we work. provide it for backstretch workers. In the last 10 years, probably close to $20 million in funding. Uh, it's owner's money that we centralize and reroute. We do do some politics, do negotiate with Naira sometimes, but 75, 80% of the work we do is philanthropic. Uh, supporting this community. Yeah, great work because the backstretch workers are kind of the backbone of the industry and you do a lot of work on their behalf. Uh, Joe, appreciate it. Always like to have you over and uh, do a little discussion, New York racing and beyond and yeah. uh, wish you a lot of good luck going forward. Uh, appreciate the visit this morning. My pleasure, Seth. Great to see you. You too. All right, we will wrap it up for this Friday. Again, looks like a nice day of racing. Uh, you know, a little overcast, but uh, hopefully, you know, things hold out. Great personal ensign today, Clarier versus Nest. Hopefully we get that ding-dong battle. We're on the eve of the Travers. Let me remind you once again, tomorrow we start early with an early post time here. We'll kick off here on the network at 8 a.m. with the Handicapper Support, 9 a.m. for Racing Across America tomorrow. So mark that in your calendar. 
also the branches and the race book. Phone a bet as well. Open at 11 a.m. tomorrow for everybody. Don't forget, barbecue at the clubhouse, uh, 1 to 5 every Friday. Go down and uh, enjoy that at the clubhouse race book, 711 Central Avenue in Albany. And the show pool, uh, Sunday show pool entries will open up at about noontime on the website. So I think that catches you up to uh, everything. And, again, we will uh, send you off to a nice afternoon of racing. Cash some tickets. See you again tomorrow, early tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Handicapper Support, 9 a.m. Racing Across America. See you then. Capital OTB is now streaming live on Roku. The RTN Racing Channel on Roku lets you watch OTB TV live through your Roku device or your Amazon Fire Stick, rather than being limited to computers and mobile devices, which means you can now watch OTB live wherever you are. Simply open Roku, scroll to find the RTN Channel, then click on OTB TV. OTB TV on Roku. Try it now. The Clubhouse Racebook is the Capital Region's new home for racing and sports. 25,000 square feet of Vegas-style action with live wagering on the best horse racing from around the world. 260 flat-screen televisions and state-of-the-art wagering terminals. So don't miss out. The fun is only minutes away at 711 Central Avenue, Albany, just off exit 5 of I-90. And don't forget, if you can't make it to the Clubhouse, you can always wager online 24-7 at CapitalOTV.com. Come on. I want sales reports on my desk by Monday. Whoops. My bad. Love racing? RTN brings you every live simulcast on your home television, plus live video streaming and race replays on your PC and mobile devices. To order, visit RTN.TV. RTN, a breed apart. You've been watching Racing Across America. Racing Across America has been brought to you by Pinnell's Restaurant, a Saratoga tradition since 1922. 284 Jefferson Street, Saratoga, just minutes from the track. And the Clubhouse Racebook, 711 Central Avenue, Albany. When you can't make it to the track, make it to the Clubhouse Racebook.